Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, a stimulating look at culture, current events, faith, and politics from a Christian and conservative point of view. We don't just talk on the radio, we blog too. Check us out at caffeinatedthoughts.com. Now grab a cup of coffee and join us. This is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. And welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is brought to you in part by Iowa Right to Life, the largest pro-life organization in Iowa who works to protect life from fertilization and natural death. Go check out their website at iowartl.org. That's iowartl.org. Hey, this is Shane Vanderhart. And of course, uh, producing, we've got Ron Carlson. Howdy. Making the magic happen behind the board. So are you, are you planning on going to State Fair, Ron? Unfortunately, probably not this year. My, I would really like to. My wife's health situation okay. kind of makes it um, not as possible as it might be otherwise. Sure. Sure. So, so yeah. what's, when you do go, what's your favorite thing? What's the thing that Ron oh. can't miss <laughs> when you go to the state fair? I got to have some of the food. Got to okay. have some what, of the what's food. Your, what's your favorite? Um, I like corn dogs, footlongs, Wonder Bars. I think Wonder Bars are probably my most favorite. I don't Wonder know if Bars they still are have amazing. Those. Yeah. Well, and then they got these new fair squares. I don't know if you've had Ooh, those before. No, I have not. It's like, um, I'm try, you know those Rice Krispie treats, mm-hmm. yep. except made with different things. Ah. Um, so it's it's interesting. And of course, you, sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> and of course, I think they, they have didn't they have fried butter on a stick? I think they did one, that one year. one year. I can't like, imagine. No, it's like <laughs> I, I, I can feel my you know my arteries clogging just even thinking about <laughs> That's it. That's True. Uh, but I, yeah, I like I, obviously pork chop on a stick's great. I've heard about that. I would really like to try that. Um, I really would. Anything the anything you get at the Cattlemen's Club's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, you know, it, this is a strange thing with me. I got to go pay homage to the butter cow. Ah, that's I, always my good wife to see. thinks I'm so strange. It's like I got to go see the butter cow. Sure, sure. Uh, it's not a complete state fair visit without seeing the butter cow. That's true. And I'm sure. It, our guest is on the line. He's probably wondering, butter cow. <laughs> um, the the Iowa State, if, if you're a listener and you've never, I, I can't imagine you've never been to the State Fair, but obviously every year they do butter sculptures and they do a cow and then usually they choose something else to do. Um, What's there something else this year? I haven't know, I, I don't. I, I haven't really paid much attention. Oh, so okay. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be a surprise. There you go. I'll be amazed. <laughs> it is amazing what they could do with butter. That is. So I can't imagine being kinda, in that cold for that long. And also kind of gross, too, when you think yeah. about it. <laughs> uh, anyway, on the line, we've got a very special guest, uh, Roger uh, Ganman. Ganem. How do you pronounce your last name? Ganem. I should have asked you before we started recording. Uh, he's the Assistant Vice President of Legal Affairs for Liberty Council, and you've been with them for three years. Uh, Liberty Council is an international nonprofit litigation, education, and policy organization dedicated to advancing religious freedom, the sanctity of life, and the family. And you guys have been involved in this uh, whole push to reverse President Obama's uh, transgender uh, policy in the military, right? Yeah, that's right. And we're real thankful for the, the new policy that was announced uh, on July 26th that, uh, that will roll back the bad policy from the Obama administration. So basically, just, just for those who may not be aware, what... Um, what did President Obama expect the military to do, and why is that a bad thing? Well, President Obama expected the military to basically start a social experiment and allow openly transgender or so-called transgender uh, service members uh, serve openly. It basically means men who who 
assert or believe they are women or vice versa, women who assert or believe they are men, to be able to serve in, in the United States Armed Forces, which would, as a practical matter, require, um, you know, biological men to, to bunk and shower and, and serve in combat alongside biological women, uh, simply because those, those men claim or are confused about what their gender is. Uh, it's a terrible policy because it, it undermines readiness and effectiveness of our armed forces, which do not exist to uh, allow people to personally affirm themselves. Our armed forces exist to protect us and provide security to the United States, uh, and it's never a good idea to use it as a laboratory for this kind of social experiment. Yeah, I was find, I found it interesting that people cried discrimination, discrimination, but I thought, you know, the military discriminates all the time. Um, I, I, I served in the Army. I had to meet certain expectations physically in order to be able to, to enlist. I had to also pass an ASVAB test. Um, then I had to, at basic training, I had to get through and I had to make, you know, meet the physical training requirements. I had to qualify in the firing range. I had to do a whole number of things before I, I was considered, you know, graduated and ready to, to serve in the military. Why is it that people don't understand this, I guess? Because, uh, for instance, I, I, I really wanted to be uh, a military police officer. I don't know why. At the time when I was a seventh, you know, high school uh, junior, it sounded kind of cool. Hey, I'm going to be an MP. But then they told me I wasn't tall enough. Hmm. So, uh, you know, this, this whole idea that, hey, we can, you know, this is discriminatory. It's kind of asinine, I think. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think we, we have the privilege in the United States now of uh, many people who are alive today haven't had to deal with uh, a war that, that affected them directly. Even our actions in the Middle East uh, have been largely, you know, on the other side of the world and, and not really affecting the day-to-day -day lives of, of Americans to where we understand the, uh, what it means to be in the military and, and what sacrifices and, and what, uh, what, what the day-to-day -day, uh, requirements of, of that kind of life uh, involve. And so we have, you know, for every one of these persons who identifies as transgender claiming this right to serve in the military, there are a thousand service members who think it's a really bad idea and applaud this decision, though many don't dare to say so because right. first, as you know, within the military, there's, there's a high sense of, of honor and respect for the chain of command, and no one wants to make waves uh, and, and, and give any appearance of, of disregarding authority. But at the same time, you know, Military members who have contacted us uh, are very concerned about having to go through you know, sensitivity training and, and basically being told by their superiors that you're just going to have to deal with that person of the other biological sex standing next to you in the shower and not say anything about it. Uh, you know, this is the military now. And uh, so, I, you know, we understand why mm -hmm. so many members are, are happy and applauding this decision uh, to stop the experiment and, and let the military get back to doing what it does best. Well, also, too, didn't the oh, President Obama's order also said, hey, and by the way, we're also going to pay for the, you know, the hormone, hormone treatments you receive, even the sex reassignment surgery, right? That's absolutely right. And, and it doesn't take a lot, of, uh, a lot of thinking to understand what that's going to mean. People who want to have a, a, a futile sex change operation uh, can join the military for the purpose of getting that operation and having the government pay for it. But as soon as you know, we spend even a dollar on a, on a so-called sex change operation, instead of body armor, instead of bullets, instead of a rifle, 
for a service member, uh, then the military stops being a serious uh, combat force and, and just becomes a social experiment. Right. And this isn't the first uh, social experiment that the Obama administration has tried in the military, right? Uh, of course not. Um, I mean, the, the Obama administration has been uh, tinkering with uh, changing the rules for uh, for uh, women in combat, for example, uh, lowering physical uh, physical fitness and, and readiness standards mm-hmm. uh, to accommodate the idea that that women and men are not biologically different. Of course, we, we know that's not true, and that in no way undermines the the dignity or value of worth of women. Right. Uh, we appreciate every woman who volunteers to serve in the military, um, but when but time after time we see that when it comes to just general physical strength and, and, and the requirements for a ready combat force, um, women and men are just simply different. Right. And, and it's wrong to force an ideology onto the military rather than uh, accept and, 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 and highlight what, what really makes a, a combat force effective, uh, and that is you know, being ready. And right. readiness suffers when we pretend that there are not differences between men and women. Right. Well, there was recently a study done by the the Marine Corps that, that looked at, at um, same-sex units, um, all men, all male units, compared to co-ed as far as combat, and, and, they, and, they, and, they know, and, and they saw the differences, too. I mean, it, it, it's just... Now, there are some women that could, that I, I think that could do what your average marine does but that's again that's that's an exceptional woman with you know an, a, an average marine i don't want I'm, I'm trying to be careful with my words i'm gonna probably get in sure. trouble here but sure. but you know so there's some women that could that can compete on that level but they're exceptional not necessarily the norm i would say um as far as physical strength and, and ability um now also, too, they uh, the, the uh, I'm trying to remember when President Clinton. I think I was actually in the military when they implemented "Don't Ask, Don't Tell," and then they removed that. So now homosexuals can openly serve, and that was probably the first thing that happened, right? Right. I think that was that was the first rolling back. Don't ask, don't tell was uh, was the opening the floodgate. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're you're listening to, uh, to Caffeinate Thoughts Radio, and on the line I've got Roger uh, Ganam uh, with the Liberty Council. We're talking about the uh, President Trump's announcement that he wants to roll back uh, the transgender policy that uh, President Obama implemented for the military. And I, just a, a question uh, for you, uh, Ro- Roger, as far as uh, um, I guess the application of this. President President Trump announced this on Twitter, and there's some confusion. As to you know, is it, can the military just operate on what he says says on social media? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a really good question, and and I think there it, there is legitimate criticism due uh, towards the president and how he announced this policy. It probably would have been better uh, to roll it out through more official channels involving. Uh, the leadership of the military than to simply tweet what he tweeted. In fact, the the sort of the bluntness of it, saying that transgender persons will not be allowed to serve in any capacity, um, has even prompted a lawsuit by current service members who came out, so to speak, as transgender under the Obama administration and are now, you know, understandably concerned about uh, about their job. You know, right. what's going to happen to us? And so I think it's fair to to say. Um, it could have been handled better in how it was rolled out. Now, that said, 
the president is the commander in chief right. and has the final say on military policy and and I'm thankful um that he took it on himself to to make this decision and not force his generals uh and his uh admirals to uh to really get into these ideological and political situations by having to give reports on readiness and how we're going to roll this out I mean, all of that was nonsense right. and, and the, what the president has done is essentially say okay the review is over this is going to be the policy and uh and it really relieves the the military leadership uh, of of political questions that they never should have been tasked with in the first place. Right. So, but he needs to follow up probably with an official, uh, a, a formal executive order. Yes, I, I would think so. Uh, or or give give some operating space to the military leadership to to put this policy into uh, into effect in a way that that accommodates people who have relied on the old policy and, and have, have started down a certain road with the military, uh, but making it very clear that, that going forward, uh, the military is going to be about you know being a ready and effective combat force and, and not a social experiment. So uh, basically, we've heard different numbers as far as um, members of the military who are transgender anywhere up to, I've heard just a couple thousand up to 15,000. <laughs> Any idea where they're getting these numbers from? Because Without this, without this policy, President Obama's uh, policy being implemented, how are they all coming out suddenly? And how well, can we actually keep track of these numbers? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think I think the disparity in numbers shows you that no one really knows. It also shows you that we're not talking about innate and objective categories here. I mean, we know how many women are in the military. We know how many men are in the military. Right. Uh, we can even uh, break it down further among uh, ethnicity and, and things like that. But when a person who has been serving in the military as a man for, for 20 years tells you all of a sudden, actually, I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. Now now treat me as a woman. I'm trying to um, picture how that conversation would go, <laughs> having been former military. <laughs> Right, right. I mean, it, it just shows you that this is not a an objective category. This is something that's purely subjective. And we know more and more testimonies are now being shared publicly, uh, telling us about people who said, yeah, I, I came out as transgender, but I regretted what I did. And now I want to, now I, now I accept my biological sex and I want to go back. Um, these are not, uh, these are not objective. It's, it's a permanent, it's a impermanent, fluid uh, kind of thing that uh, has no business being, you know, in the military. And the reason we don't know how many there are is because, um, is because it, it's not something that's objective. It's not something you can count in, in terms of saying a person is transgender. Uh, being transgender is something a person claims uh, for the moment, right. so to speak, um, but it's not permanent, and, uh, and, and we shouldn't treat it like that. And something that we're not necessarily hearing the media discuss, which they should be discussing, is, is first of all, this is gender dysphoria is a, psychological disorder still recognized by psychologists also too there's a high percentage of of suicide attempts among this population right right and and this is where we have to really look at the human aspect of this and and say especially as christians that you know we have to have compassion for people who are so confused about their 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 gender uh that they are, are actually suicidal right but what we also see is that people who where we affirm this this confusion, we affirm the the delusion that a person is something other than what they are. Um, people don't get any better. the The occurrences of of suicide attempts uh, among people who have transitioned, uh, you know, to use the the, the cultural term, mm-hmm. is 
is not any better uh, than than in the population that that right. still struggles or hasn't transitioned. In other words, people aren't getting better by our affirming the delusion. And so, when it comes to loving our neighbor and loving people, uh, we have to still speak the truth to them and and help them to see and to to accept what they are. Uh, and not, you know, allow them to go down this road where, where they're just not going to get any better and they're going to stay conflicted. And, and many, as I said before, many are trying to turn back and, and say, I made a big mistake by, uh, by having this surgery that, that, that altered me. Uh, I want to go back to the way I was. Uh, Roger, where can people learn more about the Liberty Council? We're about out of time. Liberty Council is on the web at lc.org. Uh, that's where you can find out about the, the cases and the various matters we're working on, uh, including the, the, the folks who we are helping in the military right now. Great. So, hey, if you missed any of this interview, be sure to check out our podcast at caffeinatethoughts.com. It'll be up on over the weekend. This is Shane Vanderhart. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. Hi, this is Brian Myers of Myers & Associates. If you're involved in maintenance at a manufacturing plant, you know how costly it can be when a machine goes down. And if the reason that machine went down is because the electronic controls on it failed, it can really be problematic if those electronics are obsolete. Well, not to worry. We represent Providence Industrial Electronics Repair, and they can get your machine up and running in no time. They repair boards, drives, servo motors, light curtains, you name it. So if you need industrial electronics repaired at your plant, or if you have other industrial maintenance needs, give me a call at 515-490-2640. That's Myers & Associates, 515-490-2640. Myers & Associates, keeping your operations running. Welcome back to Caffeinate Thoughts Radio. Caffeinate Thoughts Radio is only possible through the generosity of our sponsors. Be sure to check out Travis Rizvold of Modern Woodman of America. Call Travis at 515-883-0029 and he can help you find the life insurance you need. As well as check out Crosswalk Ministries with Scott Owen who offers biblical counseling and conciliation. Contact him at 515-635-5465 or crosswalkcounseling.org. Hey, on the line, we've got a very special guest. Uh, uh, There's been a lot going on this week with uh, North Korea, and I could just talk about North Korea, but I I thought it would be better to actually get somebody on the line who knew what they were talking about, Uh, because there's a lot of things going on. Some of it, you know, a lot of uh, uh, red, not red flags, but, you know, I think there's a lot of fear out there, and and I want to talk to somebody who, who understands North Korea and whether, you know, how serious this really is. On the line, we got Bruce uh, Klingner, who's the Senior Research Fellow for Northeast Asia with the Heritage Foundation. And prior to Heritage, he spent 20 years with the CIA and DIA, that's the Defense in, uh, Intelligence Agency. Um, as well as, uh, part, in that time, he was a Deputy Division Chief uh, for North Korea with the CIA. So, unlike me, he actually knows what he's talking about. So, welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, Bruce. Oh, well, thanks for having me. So... 
you know, basically what has, um, just kind of give us kind of an overview. What has led us up to this week? Uh, if you, if you could do, if you can, uh, summarize that just, you know, briefly. Right. Well, it, uh, I mean, obviously we've got decades of, of background, but right. uh, three, three events I'd say of, of this week is, uh, earlier this week we had, uh, the Washington post, uh, did an article where they uh, discussed a leak of a, a defense intelligence agency and perhaps intelligence community overall uh, assessment that North Korea uh, has the ability to put a nuclear warhead on, on an ICBM. So, um, you know, that sent a lot of people flurrying around. Oh, my God, why weren't we informed? Why, why is this such a surprise? You know, I to be honest, I, I'm surprised they're surprised. Um, back mm-hmm. in 1999 when I was at CIA, we worked on an unclassified national intelligence estimate, which is out there on the web somewhere, um, where we said by the year 2015, North Korea will have the capability to hit the continental United States with a nuclear warhead. So we may have been off a few years, but you know it, it shouldn't be a surprise. So they've been steadily working towards this capability to be able to threaten the U.S. and its allies with nuclear weapons uh, via missiles. So uh, every time there's a success in a missile, particularly in the last two years when they've had a lot of breakthroughs, uh, people are saying, oh, my God, you know, why weren't we informed ahead of time that, you know, there's gambling going on at the casino? Uh-huh. Uh, and, and so, you know, we, we shouldn't be surprised. And, and in a way, it's, it's still an estimate, but it just shows that and we can debate whether do they have the capability today, tomorrow or next year. But we know right. what, what they want. Another factor was uh, North Korea saying at first they were going to attack Guam, which is, you know, U.S. territory. Right. Um, but in a, in, since then, they've sort of altered it to say what it basically is, is they're doing missile tests or missile, you know, kind of signaling mm-hmm. by do, launching missiles. They're not going to hit uh, Guam, but they're going to land in the water nearby. See how close they can get. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's obviously more than just a developmental test. It, it's a you know, provocation. It's uh, well, it's a violation of the UN resolutions again, but it's also, you know, a very in-your-face, we have this capability. Uh, and then the third component has been the president's tweets or, or comments all week of kind of increasing bombacity of, you know, uh, we will unleash yeah, we'll fire, fire and fury like the world has ever known. And he said that on the anniversary of the Nagasaki bombing and 1945. Uh, <laughs> I, didn't, then, I didn't realize the historical context to that. Yeah. And oh, wow. So, you know, when sometimes people come back and, and administration officials will say, you know, he didn't mean nuclear when he said fire and fury. Uh, it's like, well, he said like the world has never seen, and we've seen Nagasaki and Hiroshima. So, uh, And then now he said uh, maybe that phrase wasn't strong enough and the military's locked and loaded. So, um, you know, the, the escalating threats between North Korea and the U.S., to me, I mean, they're starting to sound like two guys in a bar saying, you know, hold my beer. Uh, <laughs> You know, and you know they can do a lot of damage to each other as well as everyone else in the in the bar. So we're we're seeing how this plays out. I shouldn't laugh at that because it's kind of frightening. Um, basically, I, you know, there obviously there are numerous countries that have nuclear capability, but there's something about North Korea having a nuclear uh, a, a nuke is is a little more uh, disconcerting. Just because, well, I think Kim Jong Un is just insane, <laughs> um, and and. You know, France or and some of these other countries that have it, we know pretty. We're, we feel assured that they're not going to actually use it. But with North Korea, there's always a thought maybe they will. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I would I would disagree that okay. um, you know Kim Jong Un. He's yeah, he's a brutal, awful, terrible dictator. 
Um, but he's not crazy. He's not insane. He's crazy like a fox or however you want to call it. You know, just as when people said his father was insane, you know, we did a long study on him at, at you know, the agency. You know, neither one was insane. They're not going to wake up frothy mouth some morning in their bathrobe and, and press the button. Okay. Um, so when, but we've had sort of this increasing advocacy for a preventative attack. And, and you know, there's the sort of maybe three different kinds of, of military attacks. One would be a reactive, okay, you attack me, I respond. That's always been on the table. And that's what Secretary of Defense Mattis is talking about in his comments. Mm-hmm. Another one is preemption. I, I think my opponent is about to attack me if my intelligence is correct. Uh, and therefore, I may have that difficult choice of do I attack first because I think he will attack. That's preemption. A preventative attack, which is what National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster and, and the president seem to be talking about, is I don't think I'm about to be attacked but I will conduct a military attack first in order to prevent them from completing an ICBM capability, which they may already have. So it's sort of the, I will start a war to prevent a war idea. Uh And when I was in the government and we did war games and tabletop exercises, the Alliance always won, but it was at the cost of hundreds of thousands of casualties. And before we thought they had nuclear weapons that could reach the 25 million people in Seoul and the 35 million people in Tokyo. So, uh, I think there's much more we can do on the pressure uh, option before we, you know, cry havoc and let slip the dogs of war, you know, to, to initiate an attack. And w- when people are advocating the preventative attack, they're sort of saying, okay, unlike Russia and China who have nuclear weapons and that can reach us and we don't like it, uh, but we don't attack them, Kim Jong-un is crazy and therefore we need to start an attack. And I say, okay, well, I disagree, but mm-hmm. if we were to do an attack first, how would, would he respond? Right. Oh, he would know he couldn't retaliate given the might of the the U.S. military. It's like, okay, so a rational response. So it sort of seems to be a disconnect of if he's crazy enough to launch a war and we hit him first, right. he will not lash out with everything he has, you know, with nuclear weapons and chemical weapons and biological weapons and yeah. 10,000 artillery tubes that can hit Seoul without even having to move. So Right. Well, and that's, even with his conventional weapons, uh, I mean, obviously they're... You know, they're, they're, his tanks and his his airplanes are antiquated, um, but you know if they know, it, I, I I'm thinking I read a couple articles about the idea of, the, of possibly North Korea launching a preemptive attack on on South Korea. You know, they could just they could just use it or I mean, just throw everything at them because they know if they don't use them right away, they're going to probably lose it, right? Right. So you know, when I was a, a you know, a, a warning officer where we're, we're in the watch office and we're keeping track of all the hot spots in the world. You know, we'd always be keeping track of, of North Korea as well as other spots. And so, you know, there, there are things you can, as you're watching them, you know, it's sort of, you know, with any country, if they decide, okay, I'm going to attack, they can either mobilize and bring forward ammo and fuel and all that. And that way it's more like, you know, that they have more oomph or more not only more military uh, power, but also the logistics to carry through on an attack, uh, you're more likely to be successful, at least in the initial parts of an invasion or an attack. Those movements are observable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if you try to do a bolt from the blue, or as they call it, or a surprise attack, where you just you go a standing start, well, you're less likely to be able to predict that, but then you have less military forces and less logistics to follow through, and therefore you may not be very successful in your initial attack. So, you know, we, we, we're keeping track of, of the conventional forces and obviously 
looking for any changes that indicate, you know, growing uh, preparations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, a missile attack or a nuclear attack, uh, you know, that's harder to discern because it may just be a few missiles out in a field with, with nuclear weapons. Right. Uh, but obviously, if they launch something, then we would retaliate. So it's the whole deterrence, deterrence theory that sort of let us survive the Cold War with uh, the Soviet Union. You're listening to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, and on the line, we've got Bruce uh, Klingner uh, with the Heritage Foundation. We're talking about North Korea. Um, Bruce, I, I, one th- one uh, instance we're looking as far as uh, conventional warfare is their ability. Uh, you know, they have tunnels, and and how many of those have been found? I guess. Yeah, any idea? Um, I, th- I think uh, tunnels underground under the demilitarized zone. I right. think we found three or four, and, okay. and people estimate. You know, lots, lots more. Um, also, tunneling in the sense of putting their own targets or their own facilities underground, which makes it harder for us, um, you know, to to hit them. And the thing, I used to work Soviet Union before I shifted over to Korea. And one of the things I noticed was I was amazed at how much more information we had about the Soviet Union than North Korea. It was Soviet Union was an open book. Right compared to, to North Korea, just because of the difficulties for all intelligence sources, um, and so there's a lot we know, but there's also a, a lot we don't know. So when we try to figure out where where would the nukes be, where would the missiles be, you know that that's very difficult. So when I think people are being a little too flip or very flip about oh let's just hit them first, we can take out all the missiles and all the nukes. It's like well that's pretty hard to find. Um, right, and if you miss even one. That can ruin your day. So, um, like I said, I, I think when I've been doing a lot of interviews along with people who are advocating, let's just whack this little guy, and you know, it's like let we let's not just do this emotionally. We need to understand the consequences. We need to understand whether we think he would just, you know, crazily launch an attack on us, or whether there's things we can be doing to try to increase the pressure on North Korea you know, before we sort of throw up our hands and say, okay, let, let's start the bombing campaign. Well, and, and two, we need to consider what happens to South Korea. Because, um, I mean, there's going to be lots of, of casualties, lots of collateral damage. Uh, just even with conventional warfare, just how close Seoul is to the DMZ. I mean, uh, we're, we're talking possibly, um, there was a, a, a op-ed at Fox News written by, oh, I'm looking at the wrong one, written by... Uh, Harry, uh, I can't pronounce his last name, but oh, he basically, honest. yeah, um, you know, talking about basically, you're talking it, just with artillery alone with Seoul. I mean, it, it worked, ma- major devastation could happen to Seoul, um, yeah, not unlike when, 9-11. Yeah, and, and um, for example, Senator Lindsey Graham has said, um, you know, well, if there's a war, you know, it's sort of, it's okay, it's over there. And, and he said that the president has agreed with that view, and we don't know whether the president does or not, but certainly Senator Graham has said that. Um, well, we have 28,500 uh, American sons and daughters in uniform in Korea. We have 40,000 uh, military personnel in, in Japan. We have probably 300,000 American citizens in South Korea, you know, including non-military, uh, right. and however many in Japan. So, it's not just the lives of our allies. It's there's a lot of Americans over there, and a war would not just stay over there. North Korea can hit us in Guam and 
and elsewhere with missiles. They have cyber attack capabilities. They have chemical and biological warfare. Uh, and in addition to all those U.S. citizens and South Korean and Japanese who are on the peninsula or in Japan, uh, we're committed to flow hundreds of thousands of U.S. military personnel onto the peninsula in response to a North Korean attack. Right. And, and also, too, I mean, now we've got a minute left. Where's China in all this? China is part of the problem. They're not part of the solution. Um, and But there's a lot we can do to pressure the Chinese banks and businesses that are engaging with North Korea just using U.S. law. Uh, so we don't need Chinese permission to go after them because they're using the fin- U.S. financial system to commit money laundering and other crimes. So we can actually peel away a lot of those uh, companies and banks in China that are you know, helping North Korea's program, uh, regardless of what China wants to do or you know, what the Chinese government wants us to do or not to, but just by using our own laws. Thank you so much, Bruce. And if you want to learn more about the Heritage Foundation, you can go to www.heritage.org. Thanks, Bruce, for coming on. That was very informative. Oh, this- my, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And if you missed any of this interview, you can catch the podcast, caffeinatedthoughts.com. Stay tuned. This is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Hi, this is Brian Myers. When I needed a better life insurance plan, I found it with Travis Rizvold of Modern Woodman of America. When I first met Travis, he wasn't like some other life insurance agents that can be pushy and try to get you to buy something. Travis just made himself available to me. That was it. He told me to let him know if and when I needed anything, and he stayed in touch. When the day came and I did need to make some changes with my life insurance, Travis met with me and walked me through several options so I could make an informed decision. Ultimately, it was the best decision for my situation. So if you need a better or the best life insurance plan for you, call my friend Travis Rizvold with Modern Woodman. His number is 515-883-0029. Travis Rizvold with Modern Woodman. He can help you find the life insurance you need. Call him at 515-883-0029. Every human being has God-given dignity. That's what we believe at American Principles Project. We work in all 50 states and in Washington, D.C. to promote life, religious freedom, local control over education, economic progress for working Americans, and a return to the constitutional principles that make America great. Want to help us out? Visit our website today and sign up for email updates, AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. That's AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, a stimulating look at culture, current events, faith, and politics from a Christian and conservative point of view. We don't just talk on the radio, we blog too. Check us out at caffeinatedthoughts.com. Now grab a cup of coffee and join us. This is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. And welcome back to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is sponsored in part by American Principles Project, a conservative political think tank in Washington, D.C., American Principles Project believes that human dignity should be at the heart of public policy. They work in all 50 states in Washington, D.C. to promote life, religious freedom, local control over education, authentic economic progress for working Americans, and a return to constitutional principles such as federalism. Want to help American Principles Project? Visit their website today, AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. That's AmericanPrinciplesPlesProject.org. Sign up for an email update. Send a small donation their way. Help them out. They're a great group. 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 Hey, and by the way, full disclosure, I work with them. So 
Uh, I've worked with them since 2010, and, and I can definitely vouch uh, for American Principles Project. Well, we've got our news update, and the first thing I want to share is um, a poll was done, and more than half of Republicans would support postponing the 2020 election. US, this is from USA Today. A poll found that 52% of people who identify as or lean Republicans said they would support postponing the 2020 election to ensure that only eligible citizens could vote if it was proposed by President Trump. The cert- survey conducted by two uh, a- academics and published in the Washington Post on Thursday interviewed a sample of um, 1,325 Americans from uh, June 5th to 20th and focused on the 650 people who said they were or leaned toward the GOP. The poll also found that 56% said they would support such action, which would be taken to stop alleged voter fraud if it was supported by both Trump and the Republican members of Congress. Trump has created a voter integrity commission to look at what he has perceived as fraud in the U.S. election system. And they, the commission just met for the first time last month. And we talked actually last week with Secretary of State Paul Payton. I know Iowa has not sent them information. Um, so I don't know how, much in, how many states are actually participating in this and, and are giving the commission uh, the information that they've requested. Uh, and I, I, I'm concerned about voter fraud. I'm concerned about election integrity. Uh, I'm un- very uncomfortable with this. <laughs> yeah. How would that actually work postponing an election? Would they just move it back? A short period of time, or would it I have, be? I have no idea how it would work, hmm. and that's that's. And frankly, I just it, it's just chilling to think about because yeah. you know President Trump has been throwing out these accusations without necessarily a lot of evidence backing it up, or you know, no evidence backing it up. Mm-hmm. So I don't think this is going to happen. <clears throat> I think. He might. He, I think he may suggest it. And hopefully, Republicans in Congress will come to their senses and say, "You can't do that. We're yeah. not going to do that." Um, obviously, if there's issues, certainly challenge specific states' issues. There, you know, get the lawyers involved. Um, but I think a lot of states are moving forward to ensure voter fraud does not happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that needs to happen at state by state level. So I think Iowa's taken some great steps. I know some other states have as well. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I don't think this is as big of a problem as what President Trump is making it out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we'll see where that, you know, we'll see what evidence the commission actually puts forward. I, that's, a, I, you know, I've been hearing a lot of numbers and no evidence. I want to see evidence. Yeah. Um, moving on, a lawsuit uh, in the state of Iowa was filed. State employees worked in an environment fraught with harassment. And this is not exactly what you think it would be. Uh, Des Moines Register reports that three Iowa Department of Revenue employees are suing the state, alleging department supervisors created a work environment fraught with harassment and abuse where victims were mocked by other employees, including some cases their bosses. The suit filed in Polk County District Court last month claims department officials knew their employee, Kenneth Kerr, was harassing and stalking other male employees but did nothing to intervene. So this is kind of a twist. You usually, when it comes to sexual harassment and stuff, you're used to it's usually the female employees, but this time it was a male employee. Some background. Apparently he was like trying to take pictures of them in the restroom and things like that. Wow. And when they bring this up, they just, they, they didn't get the response they needed. Apparently um, my clients have been and continue to be horrified and humiliated, humiliated by Mr. Kerr's behavior and the department of revenues failure to protect them. 
uh, said Melissa Schilling, an attorney representing employees. This lawsuit is intended to hold the defendants accountable and ensure that other state employees and the people of Iowa never suffer such disturbing and completely unacceptable behavior. A spokeswoman for the Department of Revenue said upon learning of the employee's allegations, we immediately investigated the matter and took appropriate action. He's been, uh, uh, Mr. Kerr is now in prison. Um, Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it's amazing that, you know, um, that it was allowed. So, uh, especially if there were complaints before this, why why didn't they take action earlier? Mm -hmm. Um, So, anyway, we'll have have to see how that plays out. And this, of course, follows up. Another lawsuit um, where, uh, again, from the Des Moines Register, Kirsten Anderson uh, offered uh, state a $1.25 million settlement and harassment case that earned her a $2.2 million verdict. Um, So this is the uh, former Iowa Senate staffer who sued the state for sexual harassment and wrongful termination. Uh, She apparently had offered to settle her case for $1.25 million. before heading to trial, according to new court records, attorneys for the state declined that offer and proceeded to trial where a jury handed uh, Kirsten Anderson nearly $1 million more than she was asking for. This is the uh, lady who worked for the Senate Republican um, uh, Caucus. Uh, she was a communications director. And she was fired in 2013, seven hours after submitting a memo detailing her concern about a toxic work environment at the Capitol. Jurors found in her favor uh, following a week-long trial uh, in which she and some uh, former co-workers testified about a locker room environment where women endured, among other things, taunts and teasing about their sex lives. During his closing statement, uh, Anderson's lead attorney, Mike Carroll, asked jurors, uh, register reports, um, to grant $1.2 million in damages for emotional distress and urged jurors to send a message to state house, le- state house leaders. Now, the state of attorneys are fighting back. They're trying to um, get a retrial, or, or, or not necessarily. Well, yeah, definitely a retrial to try because of the the, ver- the amount that was awarded. Mm-hmm. Um, they argue the phrase, the use of that phrase, "send a message," uh, should invalidate the award because it may have pushed jurors to award punitive damages or words intended to punish defendants and deter future misconduct. Iowa civil rights law banning discrimination and retaliation in the workplace does not allow jurors to award punitive damages in that in those cases. Mm-hmm. Um, they also argue that the $1.2 million request caught them off guard at trial, leaving them unable to research the basis of the calculation. Uh, I don't deny that that Miss, Mrs., um, I'm not sure if she's married, um, Kristen Anderson experienced this. I think I think that came out, that was pretty clear. There was testimony that this happened. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um they the Senate Republicans said, "Hey, her she got fired because her work product." Okay, even if this were true, I'm not saying it's not. I, I I've actually had a little experience. I was not her greatest fan uh, because I never got press releases from her, and mm-hmm. it annoyed me. Um, and since she's been gone, I've actually received press releases from the Senate uh, Republican Caucus on a regular basis. But whoever thought it was a good idea. To fire her the same day, even if it was totally legitimate, even if it was work product related, the same day she filed a sexual you know harassment claim. Mm-hmm. How idiotic can you be? Yeah, that that just that just said, hey, come sue us. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. I, whoever made that decision, hopefully, is gone. 
Um, and that's and and that's one thing I, I'm seeing now. Some people are calling for changes, Senate leadership, and frankly, um, one thing people need to understand is these are part-time legislators, and a lot of them don't have <laughs> don't have uh, management experience. Um, so a few things that that you know I I I thought of in this whole thing is one thing if there's work product issue, and I've done this in the past. I've supervised employees. And I've actually had to terminate an employee before. You document, document, document. It's crazy. Anyway, hey, this is Caffeine Thoughts Radio. We are out of time with this segment. That went fast. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Trying to fix your problems with the same failed solutions over and again, expecting different results? You know that you need help, but it seems people keep being part of the problem. Where do you turn? I'm Scott Owen with Crosswalk Ministries of Central Iowa, and it's time to pause for peace. The reality is that we do live in a broken world with people that stumble and sin in many ways. To whom can we trust the intricacies of our broken lives? Can other broken people be trusted to fix us? Or are we simply asking the blind to lead the blind? Counseling based upon the authoritative Word of God sets the source of recovery outside of this broken cycle. Yes, broken, fallible, and unfaithful people can actually help others if they are tethered to the solid, unmovable standard of God's Word. For compassionate help based on the Scriptures, call Crosswalk Ministries at 515-635-5465 or online at crosswalkcounseling.org. Welcome back to Caffeine Thoughts Radio Home Stretch. You know, we appreciate all you listen. Please don't forget to check us out on caffeinatedthoughts.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Also, if you go to caffeinatedthoughts.com, you'll see in the sidebar a place where you can sign up for emails. That way you never miss an update. Uh, those go out on a daily basis provided there was content uh, the previous day or before the scheduled time the email goes out, it's pretty much automated. Uh, I just go ch- in and change the verse of the day every day. So um, anyway, you get updated with new content. You never miss a thing. Well, it's the last segment, and due to the incredible sheer volume of the material we have available because the leader of the free world loves Twitter, today we're once again ending the show with the top Trump tweet of the week, brought to you by the Myers, Myers and Associates, serving the Midwest with industrial maintenance products and services. Call them at 515-795-3676. Myers & Associates, keeping your operations running. Without further ado, the top Trump tweet of the week. I made a comment earlier this week that my how, uh, on Monday, uh, my how Trump has, has uh, calmed down since mm-hmm. since the new chief of staff is yeah. in. And a couple of people said, 
Yeah, this didn't age well. <laughs> and I, on Monday, he was already kind of back at it, uh, attacking Senator Blumenthal. That's not what I picked out because I don't, I didn't quite understand the context of that. There were a couple different options. Um, I wanted to choose what he just said uh, the other day. He said, "Can you believe this is on uh, August 10th? Can you believe that Mitch McConnell, who screamed repeal and replace for seven years, couldn't get it done? Must repeal and replace Obamacare." Again, this was a early morning tweet at 5.54 a.m. Then he followed up at 11.40 a.m. on August 10th. Mitch, get back to work and put repeal and replace tax reform and cuts and a great infrastructure bill on my desk for signing. You can do it. Of course, uh, Senate's right now in August recess. (laughs) There's there's been talk that he, uh, and I don't necessarily disagree with President Trump on this, Um, I'm obviously disappointed with what the Senate didn't do. Yeah, um, I'm not sure that's all Mitch McConnell's fault when he's got four moderate uh, Republican, or, you know, voters who don't want to follow through on their campaign promises. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what what he you know Mitch needs to not do is give them political cover um, and makes it and make it very uneasy and uncomfortable for them with their voters. Uh, certainly. Hopefully, you know, and this is unfortunately not going to happen, but the National Republican Senatorial Committee, I'm sure, will go ahead and fund and support uh, them in a primary if they're contested, Mm -hmm. which, you know, is wrong. They should just, it's like, you know what? You didn't follow through on your campaign promises. You earned yourself a contested primary, and we're not going to help you out. That'd be great if I saw that happen. Uh, But there's been some talk about Trump pushing to remove McConnell. First of all, the President Trump needs to stay out of Senate leadership battles. That is that is another branch of government that is not his purview. Right. If Senate Republicans want to remove McConnell, that needs to be up to them. Personally, I would love to see him gone. And and if, you know, I'd be happy if they put somebody more conservative in place, but I'm not going to hold my breath on that. Yeah. In the meantime, I'm not sure what these tweets are going to help move a health care bill when you don't have enough votes. You got to get the votes. Yeah. Um then again, I'm frustrated too because you know I'm you know they're hey all we if we just had a majority Senate then we can get this done. <laughs> How many years do we hear you know we hear yeah. that? It's frustrating. I yeah. get it. Yeah. Um, and something needs to happen on this, but I'm man, I'm not sure we're going to see that happen. Unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately. Until you see some bozos booted out of Washington. Hey, this is Caffeine Thoughts Radio. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week, everybody. <laughs> 